0: Hello and welcome to the AdNug podcast, the podcast for the Adelaide.net user group. I'm your host, David Gardner. This is a recording from our July 2017 meeting. Paul Usher on Azure Cognitive Services. And now, over to the presentation. Um, anybody else have any new stuff that they want to share? I mean, there was no new news panel up there, but anybody learnt anything really cool in the last couple of weeks since the last user group? Nothing exciting? Okay. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, let's get started with cognitive services. Oh, David remembered something. That's okay. Good evening, everyone. My name's Paul Usher, and I'm a technical evangelist for Developer Express, which is a US-based company that provides tools to developers to simplify our lives. Azure Cognitive Services, let's get started with that. Who can name the reference of the film? All the old people in the room. Back to the future. So keyboards, where we're going, we don't need keyboards. What we want to do to start with is just talk a little bit about cognitive services and what it actually means. How many people here are using Azure in some fashion? Okay, so a few. And anybody played with cognitive services yet? No, maybe, no, not so much. Okay, cool. So by its definition, let's talk about what cognitive means. Well, if we look up the definition it's the mental-actional process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and the senses. Now, there's actually one word that stands out in that, which we wouldn't normally put in a compute sense. Now, I'm just going to close the slideshow and restart it because uh, my presenter notes aren't showing on this screen now. There we go. That's better. Yay. Yay. So thinking about it for a couple of seconds, anybody tell me which word doesn't really belong there? Yes. Thought, okay. Understanding. Go back a little bit further. Mental. The mental action. And in a lot of sense, mental is not really something we'd associate, neither is thought or understanding, but with computing. In a sense, it's something we do naturally. What I'm going to do is show you some pictures, and I want you to tell me what they are. Beer. How did you work that out? What algorithm did you use to determine that they're beer? So it's it's recognition. It's a process that we go through as children learning repetitive steps but we look at that and we don't have to think about it instantly to our brain it goes this is beer which is interesting so how would we actually write an application to detect that those images represent beer not something that we have time to sort of sit down and go through the whole thing tonight but that's what we're talking about we think cognitive services we're not just talking a process of ABC to work something out We want that instant recognition. We want to be able to harness the power that naturally we have inside our our brains or our thought processes. Okay, what are these? Dogs, animals? Are they all dogs? I mean, yes, they are. It's not a trick question. But we've got clip art, photographs, and plush toys all representing the same thing. And again, the same question. How did you work that out? It's something, particularly as ch- when we watch our children develop, they learn by repetitive process. They know they can at- look at something and go, that is a dog. Now, whether it's a dog this size or this size, it's still a dog. A plush toy represents the dog. So we've got to think about how, in terms of cognitive services, we can start to harness some of this stuff. And the final one is this, which is the odd one out. It's not a trick question. The dark beer is still a beer. <laughs> so the coffee, and it's, it certainly is rep- supposed to represent coffee. But again, and i hopefully driven the, the point home by now, that we can look at things and we can ascertain instantly, within nanoseconds, what something is and what it means, but we couldn't sit down and try and explain to somebody how we work that out. Inside our brains, we said, okay, beer, 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 possibly beer, could be a trick question, but, and cup of coffee. So Microsoft have brought a set of APIs and um, processes into Azure to allow us to do some amazing things. Now, these services are based on machine learning and artificial intelligence. We've got the vision service, the speech service, language, knowledge, and search. And we're going to take a look at some of these in more detail, and then look at some coded examples of how we can utilize them. One of the things that I want to do after the example but before the code is have a bit of a general chat as to how you could utilize some of these either in your day-to-day life or your work life and what a difference it would make in different scenarios. And I've done this across a few places in the country now, and we've come up with some really, really cool example ideas. So what can we actually do with these cognitive services? Well, we can use it to describe the content of pictures, whether it be a photograph or an image or even a video. We can actually recognize a face inside a picture and then determine the emotion on that face. We can capture and recognize audio and including the sentiment behind the audio. We can use it to translate text into different languages. And I'm not just talking about some lookup dictionary that goes, "Okay, this is in German, this is the equivalent in English. We're talking about phrases that are then based on a machine learning language that the likes of Google Translate would use. It doesn't just go, this is your sentence, blah. It actually then tries to put it into more context. And we can use natural language to actually provide commands. Who here has a smartphone? I know there's one lady in the room that doesn't, but that's okay. And Apple phones, three of you. Android, the rest. (laughs) Um, Who uses okay Siri or the equivalent on Android? What when? Give me some context as to when you use it. To do what? To respond to text messages. Yep. Other uses? Add appointments. Entertainment, so play a certain thing. Oh, okay, prank Siri. That's always fun. Okay, ask for directions somewhere if you're driving. Now, out of those people that said that they use their virtual assistant, voice assistant, digital assistant, whatever assistant we want to call it, how many people use it in a group where they're with other people or is it more of a solitary thing when you're in the car or by yourself? Are you happy to use it standing around talking to your phone in groups? Got the headphone in Okay. But it's certainly an interesting concept when it comes to natural language to give commands. Now I've been working through mobile mobile development for some twenty odd years, so I've seen a lot of different use cases come through devices from the early Scions through the early Windows Mobile and other hardware as it came through. And it took me a little while to get used to the fact that I could just tell Siri to do something in natural language, as opposed to thinking what I had to tell Siri to do. Because even as a developer, my thought thought process was, if I want to add an appointment, it's going to be programmed to add an appointment with given steps. And if I stuff that up, it's not going to work. Now, unfortunately, Siri still gets most things wrong when I ask it to do it. And, you know, maybe it's uh, particularly when I ask her to call people. She starts dialing the wrong person all the time. That will tell me that I've got 10 copies of the same contact in my phone and, you know, which one do I want. But natural language is certainly something that's becoming more and more prevalent in our day-to-day life. Who's seen the YouTube video of the two Scotsmen in the elevator trying to get to the right floor? I mean, that's a classic example of natural language command, but also some of the problems that we face. couple of the key APIs and some of the ones we're going to look at. You might not be able to see that uh, too well there, but this is the computer vision API. Now, we're going to look at face recognition, we're going to talk about emotion, but what really cool about the computer vision API is it's contextual. The JSON packet that I can get back on this example is going to tell me that there's water involved, that the person is swimming, that There's a pool, a person, a man. Um, There's ocean, blue, bed, playing board catch with a whole other set of values in the description. But it's also going to return information about that person. It's going to tell me that it's a male. It's going to tell me about the facial hair and other things. All from one API, which starts to become really, really powerful. Another one of the key ones is the emotion API. Now, this is a photograph with multiple people, it can detect the different faces. And with that, it's able to tell me amongst each face what the emotion is in that image. So it can tell me that uh, you know the, the face on position one, there is zero anger showing in that emotion. And it has different scales and, and obviously different ways of coming back. But it's again really quite powerful. One of the talks that was at build just this year was a a demonstration speaker on stage, cameras focusing on all of the audience watching. And the running example was to see how people, how attentive people were in this talk. And you just had the metrics coming up at the side. So you imagine there's a picture of you guys all looking happy because you've got pizza coming and you've got your beers and, but it would then tell you 20% people are attentive, 5% sleeping, Uh, you know, some people are happy, some people are not paying attention, all in real time and all done with the APIs that Azure provide for us as developers. When it comes to things like facial detection, the JSON packet received or returned on this one is going to tell me that it's a female, there's glasses, what percentage baldness there is. Even though she's got long hair, it still returns a a factor on that. So whether she's smiling, it will tell us different attributes, eye color, and so on. Now, what's really, really cool in some of these examples is the use cases where authorities are using the Azure Stack to be able to run across crowds and across time periods to detect if the same person is seen in an area with or without other same people across a time frame. So say, for example, we spotted David hanging around McDonald's at six o'clock to eight o'clock, four nights a week, you know that that could be a bit of a <laughs> that could be a bit of a warning, or the fact that person A has been spotted with person B, not necessarily talking to each other, but in the same vicinity or same frame across a period. Which, given what things are happening in the world with terrorism and other things, is really you know some amazing technology that's all running on compute power in Azure. We've got the ability to tweak these engines, these APIs. It's not, as I said before, it's not just a matter of saying, well, does this fit this criteria? Look it up in the database and return it. We're talking about a huge process that's happening in the background. So with natural language understanding, you get to tweak those machine learning models until it, it suits your need even more. One good example of this, uh, a bots. Now, you've all probably experienced on a website where you want some help and you type in your question and it says, hello, I'm Jemima uh, Rainbow from you know, whatever company. And you're thinking that's an odd name, but they always seem to have odd names. And you start trying to confuse this thing by asking weird questions. And nine times out of ten, you get a, a fairly decent response. Well, one of the APIs in Cognitive Services allows you to build that type of bot where literally you pass in a question and a response but the machine learning process will go through and allow your customers or your prospective customers to type any variant of question, and it will then build on that engine to go, oh, well, you used this phrase, which could be used as this, 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 and will return a value. But it's an interesting experiment with such as the Q&A bot because you can be up and running with a chat bot on your website, link to Skype, link to Twitter, Slack, and a whole host of other engines, inside 10 minutes. From start to finish, bang, you can build it. And that's because the natural language understanding and the machine learning models behind the scenes are constantly being tweaked and updated. One of the examples I'm going to show you tonight is about voice-to-text and then emotion from that. And we've been working with Microsoft on the basis that some of the files we provide, particularly... I mean, Australia is such a diverse nation. You imagine, you take 10 phone calls from a call center, you think you're gonna get 10 Australian sounding people? No, you're gonna get maybe one ocker sound and the rest of different um, dialects or different, so what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, anyway, the, when somebody speaks differently, you know what I mean. Um, so, the beauty again with Azure is the fact that you can train that model. In the voice-to-text one, we can actually provide the sound file and then a list of exactly what that sound file is expressing, so just all the words out of the, the same byte. And we do that, say, for half a dozen different models, put that in, and the process that Azure and Microsoft with the Cognitive Services is providing is that the the engine will continue to learn. Now, when I spoke to one of the program leads on this, I was just sharing with, I I can't imagine the sort of compute power or what's happening behind the scenes. Like, I've worked on some cool projects, but some of that stuff, to think that just by feeding in some of that data, these monolith machines are going through and constantly learning. But one of the best things about this is I don't have to understand it. I can implement this functionality into my applications today, do the nice GUI tweaks at the front end inside my Azure portal, and leave Microsoft to do all the hard work behind. I've got to say, working with voice is an extremely difficult process. Uh, We ran some samples through Azure. We ran it through one of the AWS services and also um, IBM Bluemix. And everybody want to be in the photo? And all of them failed to a certain degree. All of them. So you've got to think, they, we talk about these companies with huge amounts of power, processing power, and they're still working to get their stuff to be perfect. So I'm just going to keep going back to that whole example of the Scottish guys in the elevator, and I'm quite happy to just keep replaying that that YouTube video. So let's take a quick look at some coding examples. Of course, I have to quit the slideshow for the screen to... Duplicate again. Technology. This is where we all look at David and say, David, modern technology. Windows P duplicate. Maybe the resolution is too large. It's not playing with us now. Yeah, boo. I'll just unplug that for a second. Sorry, I'm just going to change the resolution. Apply. I guess I'll keep those settings. No, it's changed it back up again. Oh, there we go. It's just duplicated at least. All right. Can everybody read that, or shall I go bigger again? Bigger? All right. I'll close all the documents down, and we'll up the size when we get to it. So I'm going to run a couple of quick examples. The first one is, do we have, where's he gone? Do we have audio connected to this? No? Okay. So what we have is a couple of MPs. That's hardly a dance room thing, is it? But, uh, That's all right. If I told you, but then there wouldn't be a surprise. So one of the proof-of-concept applications that we were playing with is the ability to take data from call centers. So you imagine how many people talk to companies in a day, whether it's the bank, the airlines, superannuation, anything, is to sample that information to decide whether your customers are happy and whether your staff are providing the right services you want. And there's a whole host of different things you can imagine that we can provide from that, metrics and Some really cool stuff. So what I've got here are two example files, nothing to do with real call center data, but just to give you an idea as to what can come back. Now, because we don't have any loud audio, I'm not going to play you the MP3 files first. But the recognized phrase from this little snippet said, ask him some questions, I didn't like his answers. And it's actually, when it's spoken, it's in quite a negative tone, but one of the things here to remember is that we're not basing the, cog- the, um, the emotion here or the, the sentiment on the tone. What's actually happening is that MP3 file is being pushed up to the Cognitive Services API, converted to text. And then we're pushing that text to the Sentiment API, which is going to read the phrase or sentences, and then based on that, determine whether it was a positive or negative statement. It's come back and said that 0.24, so where one is very positive, 0.24, it's quite a negative phrase. And I just want to pick on another file. Now, this is a small poem. It goes on, do not stand at my grave and weep. Again, quite a morose audio when you listen to it. But let's just see what happens in this instance. I've noticed since we first created this demo for presentations, the service is a little bit, um, well, you can see it's brought it all back. The text it's recognized as, do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. But based on the whole of the, the text, it's brought back a 0.02 response. So it's very, very negative in its phrasing. That's cool on two fronts. One is the fact that we can process audio files up to, I think, 50 minutes now um, into the cloud and it will bring back all the text, which can be really quite handy for different things. The second is that we can, from that text, work out what the sentiment's going to be. We'll have a quick look. Well, we'll have a look at the console apps first because they're a little bit easier to work through from a code perspective. I've got a couple of image files. If I can remember the full path for them. Image one, two, and three. One, two, and three. Okay, so three very different images and different styles. What I want to do is feed image 3 and actually ask the engine to tell me what it thinks about that from an emotion perspective. So what we're doing here is sending the, that packet up to the emotion API, and I'm going to show you how that can be done in a second. I'm just going to change the font size here. see if we can read it at 72 maybe a little bit too big but we'll see some of the... maybe 36 is going to be better okay So we can see from that image, it's brought back, it's recognized where the face is, gives me the rectangle of the face, gives me a score for things like anger, contempt, disgust, fear, happiness, neutral sadness, and surprise. So from this image, that was image three, was it? Okay, it's going to tell us all that information. I did mention before that there are a number of different APIs to do the same thing, so let's see what the results would be if we then run that on, say, image two, scratch. And on this one, happiness, disgust has got a higher score, surprise is almost zero, So looking, who can remember what image 2 was? Oh, there we go. So it's actually picked the emotion from that, I think, fairly well. Let's jump in and take a little look at what's actually involved inside this application. Is that readable yet? No? It is for the ones at the front. Is that better for the ones at the back? So effectively, we're just asking for an image file. We're then turning that image file into a byte array, and we do the make request. Now, this is the thing that's really, really cool here. We're just instantiating the HTTP client request, so there's nothing fancy happening, and we're passing in the fact that we have a subscription key. These keys are available for, for free, Um, You can get up to, I think, 20,000 images a day or requests a day on the free keys. So with that, we'll jump into the Azure portal in a little while and just take a look. And then there's some different endpoints. One of the biggest frustrations I found when working through this is if you don't get this endpoint correct, you get error messages, you get all sorts of weird things saying it's not valid, you can't do this, you can't do that. So it really is a matter of, depending on if you get your key through your Azure account or through... The, uh, the other portal I'm going to show you as to making sure you get the right endpoint. But effectively, we've set the URI. We've got our HTTP response message object there. We're coming through, and this is returning that uh, image as that byte array. And then we, we make a call. We're simply saying, okay, the API endpoint can take the uh, octet stream or JSON or form data as as the actual content type, we're using the stream. And we're simply setting that and saying, do an asynchronous post, passing in our content and the endpoint. Once that actually returns, we're just replying or putting that out. That's it. Three lines of code using straight HTTP request. No fancy NuGet packages, no extra references, just using the Cognitive Service API. And that uh, is the same, uh, the same applies whether you're using, using the vision API, the emotion API, the computer vision, or the face, any of them, which makes it really, really nice to start playing with. Let's run one of the other quick samples. So we'll go with the face detect. If I zoom on this, is it going to zoom on there? I'm going to blow the projector up again, probably. So if we take a look, this is one of the JSON payloads coming back from the face detection. So it's got a unique reference for the face, tells you from the image where it's going to be, and then starts bringing in the attributes. Is there a smile? Where's the head uh, The head pose? What's the pitch roll in your? What the gender is on the image? The approximate age. So it's actually having a good guess at people's ages from that. Any facial hair or well, a 27-year-old female, I'd be a little bit worried if there was. But um, your beard, sideburns, glasses, it brings back part of the emotion as well. So it's giving us more than just the facial information what the blur level is, the exposure, whether there's any extra noise, and even down to whether the individual is wearing makeup. So if I can get this sort of information, um, she's not bald, um, the hair color is blonde with some other highlights coming through, I can get that information just from one API call. Now, where this sort of stuff becomes handy, say you're trying to build a simple... Shop, uh, shoplifting system so that you get recognition of people you know you've kicked out of your shop for theft previously. It's not rocket science. And this can be a video feed or it could be a still that you're passing in on a time basis. And I could do that just as a simple web application from my existing VCR feed or video feed from a shop. There's 101 different uses and things that you could do with metrics. Now, what's interesting here is if I store that face ID, uh, if I put more photographs up of the same person, I'm going to get the same ID back. It's going to say, oh, we've recognized this, and boom, there's an ID. Does it raise all sorts of questions on privacy and all, all that stuff? Well, maybe, but there's nothing tying that GUID to an actual individual, is there? There's no, nothing distinguishing that I've said this is whoever it was. So I do think it's nice, the fact that straight away, I can throw a 100 photographs up, and I could tell if that person's in any of them. Anybody like playing with family tree, or family videos and photos? Like, there's so much you could do with it. There's also a video indexer API that Azure provides, which is great in that sense as well. It will allow you to put a lot of content up, destabilize video, index video, etc. Now, if we were if we were to look at the code, that would be should be unique to... That's a great question. I don't know. That's a... I mean, if we had a, another... Can you let me know tonight when you get home and try it? I'll email you that photo and you can take this school's code, put your key in and then let everybody know. But it is, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, would it be unique? But you think how many billion people on the planet and how many combinations of this GUID or that particular length good do we have does it match can we have unique ones? I do think given the information that you can get back across those different APIs is really quite quite outstanding. Um, does this one still work? It's always a danger. Okay, so that was taking some text and turning that into speech. Now, this, this sort of stuff's been around forever, right? When I used to play with it on my Commodore Amiga back in the late 80s, which is showing my age, um, or even my ZX Spectrum had a little app I could do to synthesize speech. But it's getting smarter. And one of the things that Apple announced, for example, in iOS 11 is how much more natural Siri is going to be. I don't know if anybody's played with the beater of iOS 11. Nobody is that brave. Um, But reading street names out is no longer just a, a mechanical thing or giving directions of when the next turn's coming up. She's becoming, she, it, is becoming more natural to the directions that we might give each other. So it's not just a straight matter of reading the text. The compute power behind it is now able to determine this is how this sentence should be read. What I wanted to show you just on that face detection was again the source behind it. Should look very similar to the previous one. So there's my subscription key. It's a different endpoint for the face API. There's the actual program itself saying, okay, enter the path. And, oh, look. It's an HTTP request, exactly the same. So from that perspective, accessing this stuff in your web applications, or even your desktop applications, is really, really simple. I think all of these, with the exception of sentiment, that's uh, right. We cleaned up. We did actually have one that used a, a library provided by Microsoft, but we found that it was just having too many problems. Um, Recognize the endpoint and switch back to the HTTP request. What I want to do. Oh, Project Prague. Project Prague is what I'd like to come back and talk about. So remind me about that later. One of these is a tab with my keys. So if you go to azure.microsoft.com, then you can just create a free account and you don't even have to go into the traditional Azure portal to start playing around with those APIs. You can see here that the face API, I've got 30,000 transactions with a maximum of 20 per minute. gives me the endpoint I want to do and then the keys I can use. It's quite literally a matter of saying, create a key, and you're up and running. The coded examples, there's a number of them available in, in Azure. Um, but as you saw, it's it's really, you know, whether you're a desktop developer, whether you're hardcore JavaScript, HTML, or whether you're a C Sharp kind of person, you should be able to get that example up and running on any platform, really. Same thing with the emotion and all of the different APIs that you can call into. What I wanna do now though is just open up and have a bit of a chat on you guys talking amongst each other or just as a group to talk about some of the places that these APIs or this technology can be used for good and where you think it may be used for evil because it's always good to have the, the chat around privacy and everything else that's happening. Who wants to go first? looks too old. You're just all hungry eyes. Pizza. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'll just rep- It's an apple, yeah. Cool, so I'll just repeat this so everybody here, and I think we're recording too. So so the example was using the computer vision API to detect that a product is a product when it goes through a self-serve checkout so that people aren't saying, or even you know, oranges and oranges, but you know, I'm choosing the cheapest possible one, and the computer can say, well, no, that's not exactly what it is. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And so, just in general, is that still a big issue in the retail sector where people are trying to cheat self checkouts? Yeah. Okay. Well, if there's no data being collected, there's nothing nothing personal about you being collected other than your face. Um, is there any privacy law being broken? I mean, you walk down the street in Adelaide, there's CCTVs. You don't see signs everywhere saying, "Hey, wave because the the council or the police or whatever are now looking at you." And I think a lot of shops now tell you that you're on CCTV and you're being recorded. And those, re- those recordings go on perpetually uh, for, you know, for loss management in that sense. So, but certainly a valid point. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So driver awareness. Now, one of the interesting things here, of course, is we're talking about something that requires cloud compute power to be doing that. So... Is there, an, is there a downside to the fact that you're streaming that? Um, does that come through your phone? Is it a product that's designed? And certainly car manufacturers are doing similar things now to try and make sure that drivers are aware. We were recently in Europe, and the car that I was driving told me that it had line indica- line tracking to make sure that if I you know, started to drift towards the lines, it would alert me. It didn't. So uh, it's, it's fun to play around with it just to sort of see. But it did warn me on the longer drives where it would sort of say, hey, you're not paying attention as much. And I was like, well, cruise control's on. You know, the traffic's slow. I've got my eyes closed. It's fine, I'm sure. Um, Home automation. Give me an example. Perfect. So you're thinking more natural voice commands. So um, Alexa type stuff. Uh, It's an interesting discussion at that point. Having Alexa talk to Siri, talk to... One of the other personal assistants, and it's going to get to the point where they're going to do that because they're going to work out whether they then need to get you involved you know, to get to the dentist, get to the doctors, go to work, etc. But I think it would be, has anybody watched the rap battles on YouTube where you, know, you get these famous people or the mock off famous people and they're rapping against each other? Some great video. I spent too much time on YouTube that day. Um, but I think it would be a great rap battle to have Alexa versus Siri or something like that. Or what's the. Microsoft one. <laughs> I should know that, shouldn't I shouldn't know, right? Cortana. Anybody using Cortana for anything cool? Okay. It's not released in Australia. Cortana. It's on do you not talk to your Windows machine? Okay. There you go. Free tech support. <laughs> yes. Sorry, can you speak a little loud? Absolutely. So, and just to freak everybody at home back in Brisbane, lock the front door. The front door is locked. So, and that I mean, we talk about home automation. Um, I'm currently renting somewhere in Brisbane, and I didn't want to have to, you know, try and rewire my house, etc. I've just got a slug um, lock on the front door that's connected to my Apple TV, and because of that. I can connect it, if when somebody opens the door, no matter where in the world I am, I get these notifications saying that the door's locked, the door's unlocked. So I love that sort of stuff. Plus, you're walking upstairs, you've got your hands, and you say, hey, Siri, unlock the front door. They actually don't, but the the problem then, Siri often comes back and says, you must unlock your iPhone first. (laughs) If I could do that, I could open the front door myself, but still has a way to go. So this, just from that, there's some great examples of different things that you could start to utilize. One of the exa- one of the demos we did in Newcastle, the gentleman in the audience said, well, I work for a company and we provide a uh, front-facing service to some of the disadvantaged people. And what I mean by that is that they may not have finished school, so they struggle to read and write. He said, at least with this stuff, we don't have to, because they're supposed to face this kiosk and fill all this information in. We can introduce natural learning, natural, the, the natural language, to then come back and say, okay, talk to me, ask me the question, and I'll give the answer. Because most people, even if they are illiterate or partially literate, have got the skills to communicate. They can speak, in most cases. And we already have things to cover accessibility and the likes of, um, deafness, blindness, etc. Those now are built in, or should be built into any web application you're, you're designing and desktop application. But with the more natural command stuff, we can start to think outside the box. And yes, there are some social awkwardness issues when it comes to I'm going to walk around talking to my phone. But not, you know, people are breaking past that now. don't call mom. <laughs> so it's it's certainly, um, yeah, I, I think, moving along in a, a very scary pace in some respects, but very exciting that we can just throw a couple of lines of code in a web browser and get that much information back on a single photograph. Everything from the emotion to all the attributes about a particular person. Any other examples or questions? Yeah, the Alexa one was the the ordering something. and Yeah. And that, that is a real danger. But having said that, I mean, if, if I, all those that have Siri enabled, if I was to say, hey, Siri, the idea is that Siri wouldn't respond. Correct? I mean, that's, that's the whole thing of setting it up in the first place. The other night, um, my brother-in-law was over and I said, hey, Siri, and both of our phones lit up. Yes, okay. I'm talking about you, not to you. Uh, both of our phones lit up and he was like dude this shouldn't be possible so there's still some you know some things that need to happen lots of people in the thing should try that at the next Microsoft conference I go to is just sit there and say uh, hey Cortana And see how many people race for their tablets or phones just to stop her from doing something. (laughs) Interesting, We, we did a presentation in Brisbane last week and the at the end of the present or part of the presentation was exactly that, when I asked about phones. And I actually knew that there was one person in the in the group and she works for Microsoft that has a Microsoft phone. And so it's always that moment you say, OK, all those with Apple, stick your hand up. And usually it's it's either one way or the other, majority Apple, majority Android. And then you say, who's got a Windows phone with them? And there's always one in the room. <laughs> all two tonight. We're doing well. So I, I carry all three devices, just depending on the audience. It's like, oh, OK, we'll just put Apple away. I'll just grab my HTC out. So, yes? Yes, um, and it's it, it's on that um, on that Azure portal website. Uh, it breaks it down into each of the categories. Knowledge is one of them. The um, spell check services, the translation services, all fall into that same banner, uh, along with the, along with the bots, because that's part of that knowledge learning process. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the other things with recognition, we do a, a bit of work with a company that does laboratory testing on safety equipment, so chains, slings, that sort of thing. And we're now, not so much with cognitive service, but we're now exploring the world of um, AR to determine if we can work out if a sling or a chain is unfit for service using augmented reality. So instead of the engineer just having to physically go in and check every link, So we can use AR and uh, some other bits and magic work to determine that and speed up that process. So there's a lot happening in the cloud space, in the knowledge space, machine learning, that sort of stuff. Now, just before I close, one of the things that I mentioned to David before, and because it's a a community-run group anyway, but Microsoft today released to the developers uh, the SDK for something called Project Prague. Now, Project Prague is gesture definition. It's not cloud based, but it's still part of the Azure machine learning thing. But what I'd like to do, if I'm invited back, is get up here and show you. Everybody's seen the movie where Tom Cruise, I think it is, is doing this with his gloves on the glass screen? Uh, Minority Report, that's the one. Well, Microsoft have now released to the average Joe the ability for you to stand in front of your computer and use gestures to control everything on your screen. Whether it be opening apps, moving things, quite literally the Minority Report concept of multiple finger gestures to do things. And its I think it's its gonna be an exciting move forward when it comes to computing and how we can interact with different objects in our workspaces, etc. So give that some thought, give your feedback to David. And if it's all a big, yeah, that's okay. I'll find somebody else to talk about. And if it's a yay, yeah, then we can do that later in the year. I'll be hanging around a little after the lightning talks. Obviously, Derek